as you know, it's been a challenging week for our church and for me as well, uh, as uh, we celebrated the life of Kurt Breland, who was pastor of our missions here at First Norfolk, uh, but it was a challenging week for our staff, a challenging week for me, challenging week for you. And we gathered together uh, with uh, you and family and friends, and uh, we celebrated his life and celebrated the joy that is unfettered for him because he's in the presence of Jesus. I know that Kurt celebrated yesterday and today and the next day and the next, uh, and even now he is celebrating not merely because Alabama squeaked out a win against Arkansas yesterday, but more importantly, he's celebrating because God's people have gathered together to worship Jesus the King. Uh, we uh, join uh, together to celebrate all that God has done and is doing. And I don't know if you know this. I shared this in different places at different times. I don't know if you know this, but uh, Kurt uh, served faithfully in this church. Kurt Breland served faithfully in this church for uh, and with me for 17 years. Uh, and during those 17 years, uh, Kurt led our church to plant more than 30 churches around the world, to start a, a, a medical clinic and to start a coffee shop from which the gospel will be proclaimed, uh, to take uh, and lead and plan uh, over 200 mission journeys to see countless hundreds upon hundreds and hundreds of people who are far from God find life through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, one of the uh, one of the hallmarks of Kurt's uh, mission and ministry, as well as mine, is nine years ago partnering with David Potier and La Chapelle in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Uh, nine years ago, we. Uh, partnered with them and saw God do amazing and miraculous things uh, as the church was planted and then grew and then continued to grow and planted other churches, uh, not only in Montreal, but also throughout Quebec. Um, we celebrate uh, our partnership, but there's more than that. It's family friendship. Uh, when David Potier, the pastor at La Chapelle, when he discovered that Kurt uh, had gone to be with Jesus. Uh, he called me, and we uh, shared sorrow together. But then David, being a pastor and having a pastor's heart, he understood uh, how challenging this week would be for you as a church, but also for me as a pastor. And he said, Pastor, I, you don't have to do this, but I just want to offer if you would, uh, if you would let me. Uh, or if, if, if it would be helpful for you, I'm offering to fly down from Montreal and to preach uh, on Sunday. His heart's desire was to be a blessing to me, but uh, to bless you all and to honor Kurt. And uh, so David Potier, the pastor at La Chapelle, is here today uh, to deliver God's word to us and to bless us. And guys, I got to tell you... Um, uh, the message that God has given David to share uh, is just going to bless your socks off. Uh, and I'm thankful, uh, knowing it is a divine thing that God has brought you here for this day and for this moment. This is that 
moment in time that God has planned uh, for you to speak. I talked with one of our members a moment ago at the coffee bar, and they said, everybody's talking about what David, Pastor David shared, and, and uh, this person was uh, uh, t- trying to, you know, I still love you, Pastor, but I really liked what David said kind of thing. But they said, I know, Pastor, what David has shared. You've shared it before. But uh, I said, I know, I know. There's just something about hearing it in a French accent that makes all the difference. <laughs> I, want you, I want you, church family, to prepare your heart, as I know you already have, uh, to open God's Word and to hear from God's servant uh, the message that God has prepared for you to receive. Let's welcome David Potier. <clears throat> All right. Hey, you know that uh, French is, is the language in heaven. You knew that, right? <laughs> so in, ev- in heaven, you're all French. All of you guys speak French. So you, I can't speak French. In heaven, you will. Oh, what a, a privilege is to be with you uh, this morning. Um, thank you, Eric, for have letting me uh, do that uh, help support for you guys uh, today. I am um, a great fan, and I have such respect for Pastor Eric. I think he's probably uh, one of the most mission-minded pastor in the world, and uh, he cannot do this alone. He, uh, he do this with his family, with his wife, um, and um, could we just take a moment to honor your pastor, Pastor Eric? Can we, can we clap for him? Come on. And also, I want to ask you to, uh, to clap for another group, you, because uh, you're supporting us in the work for the last nine years, and with your help, since I was here uh, two, three years ago, we planted two more churches. So in nine years, we planted five churches with your love and support. Can we clap for that? Thank you, church. Thank you. It is a peculiar moment uh, to be here because we grieve the loss of our dear friend, Kurt Brilliant. And when I offered to preach, I thought, uh, I thought, okay, I offered to preach, but I have no idea what I'm going to say because it, the context is, is uh, different. And um, I began to, thought, to, to think about Kurt. And uh, the word mission came to mind, but also the word joy came to my mind. What a joyful man of God he was. Amen? We remember his smile, his loud laugh, you know, sincere, loud laugh. And when I was thinking about him, I I, I had this impression on my spirit that God wanted me to preach on joy. But I, I was wrestling with it because I thought maybe it's not appropriate. And... While I was thinking, I realized that maybe one of the most appropriate way to honor the life of Kurt Brillen would be to preach on joy, because he had such joy. And I know that Kurt would want me to preach on that topic today, 
And I realized also that maybe to experience and understand biblical joy is a way to help us as a church to get stronger in our grief of Kirk. So today, I'm going to teach on Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 9. That simple sentence. For the, Lord, the joy of the Lord is your strength. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. My title today, The Joy of the Lord. Let me start with this. Where does joy comes from? Answer, it comes from God. Zephaniah said, the Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I am so glad that we serve a God that is not a stoic, indifferent, and miserable, but we serve a God who celebrates not only with joy, but with great joy. Jesus said this one day, Luke 15, likewise I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angel of God over one sinner who repents. Amen? Notice, Jesus didn't say that the angels are rejoicing. I'm sure they do. But he said that the joy is before the, before the angel, in the presence of the angel. So if the joy is before the angel, who's rejoicing? You know. God, God is rejoicing. God is a joyful God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jesus is different than all other ancient divinities because he is the only one who sings, who celebrates, who dance and rejoice. So heaven's friend is not a place with chubby angels sitting on clouds and eating cream cheese. That's not heaven. Heaven is a place of joy and celebration because God is happy. Can I have an amen? amen? In fact, God is the happiest being in the universe. John Ortberg wrote that. We will not understand God until we understand this about him. God is the happiest being in the universe. God also knows sorrow. Jesus is remembered, among other things, as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Listen to this. But the sorrow of God, like the anger of God, is his temporary response to a fallen world. Oh. That sorrow will be banished forever from his heart on the day the world is set right. Joy is God's basic character. Joy is his eternal destiny. God is the happiest being in the universe. Hallelujah. God is a joyful God. And he wants us, his people, to express his joy. Amen? Psalm 100 says, Shout with joy before the Lord, O earth. Did you get that? Apparently not, okay? <laughs> I'm going to give you a second chance, okay? Shout with joy before the Lord, O earth. Okay, I'm going to give you a third chance. We, we, we all going to pretend that we are an 
Afro-American church, okay? Come on, come on. For five seconds, we're going to pretend that. I'm going to give you a second chance because you're living on planet Earth, all right? No Martians here this morning? No? Okay. Third chance. Shall we draw before the Lord, O Earth? Yeah! God is a God full of joy, and he wants us to express his joy. But here's the problem. Some Christians have a joy that is so profound that we never see it. Oh, you say, yeah, but Pastor David, I got the joy of the Lord in my heart. All right, all right. You got the joy of the Lord in your heart? So talk to your heart to talk to your face, bro. Sometimes we have this distorted view of spirituality that I grew up in a church like that. We thought the more serious you were, the more severe you were, and the more judgmental you were, the more spiritual you were. Somebody grew up in a church like that? No? I'm the only one? Yeah. And there was an old lady in our church, always severe, never smiling. And as a kid, it bothered me so much. I went to my mom and I said, Mom, what is her problem? And mom said, oh, her kid. She don't have any problem. I said, why? She's looking like this. And she said, oh, it's because she is so close with the Lord. <laughs> And I was, as a six-year-old kid, I was like, if this is being close with the Lord, I don't want to be close with the Lord at all. I remember years ago, I visited a church with my wife, and uh, when we entered in, they had this huge sign that was written, no laughing aloud. <laughs> when I saw that, I began to laugh uncontrollably. <laughs> I said to my, my wife, no laughing, <laughs> this is so funny, this is so funny. So many people believed the lie they had to choose between being happy and spiritual, between fun and faith. But let me tell you this. Is your if your faith is killing all the fun in your life, you may not have faith. You may just have religion. Amen. That's why in our church, we believe Part of our calling is to restore joy in the sacred. Because in our culture, being depressed is cool, trendy. If you're not depressed, you're not authentic. If you're happy, you're a hypocrite. People want you to be unhappy. So we think our calling, part of it, is to restore joy in the sacred. So if you come to our church, we sing loud. We cry how hard. We clap hard. And we repent for one minute and rejoice for one hour. Because we think we need to be an answer to this world that is so cynical. And church should look like heaven. And in heaven, there is joy and celebration. Can I get a witness this morning? Amen? Heaven is full of celebration. This is what heaven looks like. So three keys to cultivate joy in our life. First one, we need to get serious about joy. If you read the text and the context, you will discover that he's making them an ask to choose joy. Joy is something you can 
choose. Joy is a choice. And you say, Pastor David, this is not that simple. I know this is not simple, but God would not command us to do something we cannot do. God would not command you to be joyful if it, not, it would not be possible to be joyful. Science has shown that some parts of our brains as adults are fixed and cannot grow anymore. But science has also shown that some parts of our brain are more plastic and can grow all life long, like what they call the center of joy. Fill your last breath. You can grow in joy. In other words, you can learn to be happy. You can do this. God would not command us to do something we can't do. Now, some people think it's absurd to have joy in every time. Let me tell you, to rejoice always could be absurd, but to rejoice always in the Lord is not absurd. The text didn't say that the joy is your strength. The text says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. It is different. It is the same idea the Apostle Paul picked later in Philippians 4 when he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Notice he didn't say rejoice always because to rejoice always could be absurd because sometimes the most appropriate response is grief and tears and sadness. But he didn't say rejoice always. He said rejoice in the Lord always because in every moment, in every circumstances, you can rejoice in him. Amen. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is not based on circumstances. When the Bible speaks about joy, it is not the thing the same as the world sees as happiness. The joy, biblical joy, is not depending on circumstances. Happiness is. Happiness is a, a, an emotion that is based on circumstances. So I will be happy when, fill the blank. I will be happy when I, I, I'll get married. I will be happy when I, I have a baby. I will be happy when, when, when I, I, I'll be healed. I will be happy when I'll get the house or when I get promoted. I will be happy when, that's happiness. But joy, real joy, biblical joy, the joy of the Lord is not based on circumstances. Habakkuk said that. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut from the fold, and there be no herd on the stalls. Man, he's having a bad day. That's a bad day, amen? That's a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, a bad year. He's having a bad year, but look what he said. Yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. Amen. 
Because joy is not based on circumstances. You can have one million dollar in the bank account and not have joy. And you can be broke and have joy. You can have a great spouse and not have joy. And you can have a, let's say, a not so great spouse. <laughs> and have joy. You can have perfect health and not having joy, but you can be sick and have joy. I remember years ago in our church, there's a guy called Mike. He fell from his rooftop and broke his hips and legs. He was for months in the hospital. So our pastor said, can you guys go visit Mike at the hospital? He will need some encouragement. So my wife and I, if we were young, we decided to go. We pumped up ourselves. We prayed. We're going to go encourage Mike. And when we enter in the hospital room, we were shocked because we, we were expecting a guy that needed to be encouraged. But he was so full of joy. He was glowing like Moses coming down the mountain. He was hugging us like Jesus. It was awesome. He was the one who was encouraging us. So the next Sunday in church, the pastor didn't say, hey, can you please go visit Mike? The pastor said, you all need to go visit Mike. <laughs> Why? Because the joy of the Lord is not based on circumstances. The joy of the Lord is more than an emotion. It is first and foremost a spiritual condition. People think that joy and sadness exist as a binary thing. Either I have joy or either I am sad. But the joy of the Lord is a non-binary thing. You can have joy and being sad at the same time. As faith is big enough to contain all your doubts. Let me tell you, joy is big enough to contain all your grief and all your tears and all your pains and sadness and disappointment and depression because joy is bigger. Joy is bigger. So it means you don't have to suppress. You don't have to deny your tears. You can welcome your tears. But we don't worship our tears. We can be sad, but we don't worship our sadness. We can be sad, but we're not looking down, we're looking up. We don't deny our emotions but we don't glorify our emotions. We glorify our God. And when we, when we do this, he is filling us with a joy that is bigger. I know your tears are numerous. I know you've been through pain. I know it was hard and still right now, but joy is bigger. It is. Joy is bigger. For the joy of the Lord 
is your strength. Ezra understood the connection between joy and strength. He knew that when your joy is up, your strength is up. When your joy is down, your strength is down. It is not the strength of the Lord that is my joy. It is the joy of the Lord that is my strength. So start with joy and strength will come. Some of you think you need strength more than anything. I'm telling you, you need joy more than anything because, because joy produces energy. Joy makes us strong. Joy, the joy of the Lord is a supernatural therapy. Can I have an amen? It is better. It is better than drugs. Amen. It is better than a joy. Amen. Joy, the joy of the Lord is better than college football. I know it's hard for Americans to say amen to that, but please do it. Better than college basketball. Amen. Ladies, the joy of the Lord is better than shopping. Can I have an amen? The joy of the Lord is a supernatural therapy. So start with joy and strength will come. So this is why the enemy is after your joy. Because he knows that if he steals your joy, he's going to have your strength. And you're going to become totally ineffective for God's mission and for the kingdom. So the enemy will use all his tactics to fill your mind with all the reasons you have to get frustrated, jealous, bitter, and discouraged. He wants you to minimize your blessing and magnify your misfortunes. He wants you to focus on the bad things and on the good things. He wants you to look at what you don't have and not to look on what you do have. And he will use anger and self-pity and sadness and ungratefulness. So little by little, he will got your joy. And if he got your joy, he got your strength. This is why he is after your joy. But here's another reason why he's after your joy. Did you know that the enemy cannot experience joy at all? Did you realize that it is not part of his, his existence at all? Today and forever, here's why. He is banished forever from the presence of God. And God is the author of joy and the source of all true joy. So he cannot experience joy in his whole existence. Have you met somebody who thinks like this? If I don't have it, nobody's going to have it. He's exactly like that. It is time for the church of Jesus Christ to get to take joy seriously. It is time for the church to stand up in front of the enemy and say, I will not be like you. You will not have my joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Can we clap for Jesus five seconds in the room? Come on, church. Come on, receive the joy of the Lord. We need to be serious about that. Second, we need to get serious about obedience to the Word of God. 
If you read later in the chapter at verse 12, it says, And all the people went, and they rejoiced greatly, because they understood the word that were declared to them was the word of God. 14, And they found written in the law, which the Lord has commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month. So the whole assembly and those who had returned from captivity made booth, and there were very great gladness. Two things in that. They understood the word of God, and it gave them joy. And they obeyed the word of God, and it gave them joy. First, understood the word. Let me tell you this. Don't expect joy if you don't feed yourself regularly with the word of God. Don't expect it. I met a girl a couple months ago. She was so full of joy, I had to go and ask for her story. She was a Christian. And I say, hey, you're so, you're so happy. What's your story? And she began to share with me that uh, in her uh, young adult years, she was fiancé, and she got nuts. She left her fiancé. She lived in sin for three years. It was horrible. Drugs, everything. Even her own mother didn't know where she was for three years. And after three years, God saved her, brought her home, brought her to her family, brought her back to her fiancé. He married her. He forgave her. They had kids. And, and she said, I, I, I had a great life. I had a moral life. But for 10 years, I had no joy. And I said, what changed? She said, I began to read the Word of God every day. And I said, what do you read? She said, everything. She said, I'm reading 50 chapters a day. And then I feel as a bad pastor for two minutes. I don't read 50 chapters a day. I don't. I said, really? You do that? She said, yes. And now I understand the Word of God, and it gives me so much joy. I said, this is your secret sauce? She said, yes. I understand the Word of God. So let me tell you, if you want to expect joy, you need to feed yourself with the Word. But there's greater thing than understand the Word. You know what it is? To obey the Word. Understand the Word can bring us a measure of joy, but it's obeying the Word that gives the greater measure of joy. Joy. Anna Waldo Smith wrote this, Joy comes from obedience to Christ and through obedience to Christ. Without obedience, joy is shallow and artificial. Oh. You know, because God is so full of grace, it could happen in your life that you live in sin and God will give you anyway some measure of joy. But it is an abnormal situation. The normal way God gave us joy in the New Testament is in a process that is called sanctification when we learn to obey the Word of God. The path to joy is the path of obedience. The path to joy is the path of obedience. Jesus said, if you keep my commands, my joy will be in, in you and your joy will be full. So this is why many Christians don't have joy, because they don't obey the word. God told you something. 
maybe months ago, maybe years ago, and every time you hear about it, you resist the Holy Spirit, you, 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 you compare yourself with, with other people and think you're better, you, you, you compare yourself with the, word and, and the, the world and, and thinks that it is normal, obey the word of God. This is where joy comes from. Imagine Abraham asked to sacrifice his son. Imagine the pain of it, but imagine the joy that came after his obedience. There is no joy like the joy of obedience, and we need to get serious about that if we want to have joy in our daily lives. Get serious about joy. Get serious about obedience to the Word of God. And I'm closing with this. Getting serious about worship. If we go forward in the chapter 9, it says, And the Levites said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. And for 37 verse, they just burst in worship. They say things like, you are powerful. You are merciful. You are miracle maker. You are full of grace. You are our deliverer. Why they do that? Because they understood that principle, that joy comes through worship. Many Bible character understood that. If you would ask King Jehoshaphat, when he was outnumbered by the Ammonite and the Moabites, why are you singing? He would answer back to you, we don't sing because we are outnumbered. We sing because we know as we are outnumbered, as we sing, the joy of the Lord is our strength. If you would ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego about to be thrown in the furnace, why are you singing? They would say, we sing because we know as we we are about to be thrown in the furnace. The joy of the Lord is our strength. If you would ask Paul and Silas in prison, why are you singing, fools? They would answer, we're not singing because we are in prison. We are singing because we know that even if we are in prison, as we sing, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Can we got the worship team, please? If you can come and just begin to play. Um, I read that story years ago, and, and I think it, it's a good illustration for us this morning. It was the story of a, a family that had a little bird. It was a canary, and, and the bird was singing every day, and he made the joy of the household. And uh, one day, his mistress was cleaning his cage as she usually does once a week. And uh, what she did is she used the vacuum cleaner. Uh, and she, she, that's what her practice. She was cleaning the cage. And that day, uh, she, as she was cleaning, she accidentally, she dropped something on the floor. So she leaned to just pick it up, but she didn't notice that the angle of the vacuum hose just chained a little bit. And the little bird was just boom, sucked in the vacuum cleaner. So she said, oh, oh my goodness, my bird, my bird. She stopped the machine, opened the door, took the bag, teared the bag, put the hand inside the bag, tried to find the little bird. And she oh, she felt it. It was alive. She said, oh, my bird. So she pulled it out. And the bird was just full of dust. All great, all great. The only thing you could see 
were the two little eyes. But it was a bird, so it was more like this, the two little eyes. <laughs> so, so she took her bird, cleaned it up, put it back in the cage and said, thank you, Jesus, my bird is alive. But there was only one problem. You know what it was? The bird never sang again. The bird had PTSD. In fact, the bird had B-PTSD. He had bird PTSD. He never sang again. And I was thinking, this is so many of you this morning that you were just sucked in the enemy's vacuum cleaner and the enemy tried to put dirt on you and you fell, you feel it right now? Maybe you're full of the dirt of your sin, full of the dirt of your addictions. Maybe you're full of the dirt of despair, of sadness and tears, full of the dirt of broken dreams, and you don't sing anymore. You lost your song. Let me tell you, one thing the devil wants you to do is to zip it. He wants you to be one of those superficial believers that shut their mouth when they are suffering. Don't be like that. When you suffer, when you are in tears, when you are in pain, when, when it's hurt, you sing louder. You sing louder. Don't let the enemy shut you up. Open your mouth and sing his name and praise his name. I came down from Montreal to tell you this and I want you to listen carefully. You are going to sing again. It is not done. It is not the end. You are going to sing again. You're going to sing again and it starts now. It starts today. You don't have any strength to sing. You open your mouth and you let God put words in your mouth. You don't feel it. You don't believe it anymore. You don't believe it anymore. Sing it. I don't even know if I believe. Sing it. The enemies knows that the less you sing, the less you will believe. He knows that the less you sing, you may stop believing one day. Open your mouth and start praising his name. Start singing to God. Because I'm telling you, I, no matter what you're going through, no matter the dust that is on you, you are going to sing again. Depressed people, you're going to sing again in Jesus' name. Divorced people, you are going to sing again. Disappointed people, some of, who, some of you, life was so tough on you and it didn't happen the way you thought it would be. Some of you had a dream 
And, and your dream are noble dreams. It's not like dreams of having money. And it's just some of you, some of you, your dreams that just that your kids will follow the Lord. That's your dream. That's a good dream. That's not a. That's not a selfish dream. That's not a fleshly dream. That's. That's a good dream, and, and, and it's not happening right now. Let me tell you, you are going to sing again. Show up on the battlefield. Sh show up every day. Show up today and sing his name and praise the Lord, and he will fight for you. Showing up on the battlefield for us as children of God is not going on the battlefield and fight. For us, it is going on the battlefield and sing. And he's the one that will fight for you. He will fight for you. He's fighting for you right now. But you need to open your mouth again and praise his name. Can we shout and clap for Jesus for five seconds in the house? Come on, come on. Come on, praise his name. Come on. Hallelujah. Can we stand up, please? Stand up. And I have one more thought for you. You know this verse, Psalm 118, 24. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. For years, I thought that in this verse, the day means today. But a couple months ago, I met a new friend. He's a Jewish messianic pastor. And he told me, David, in this passage, the day don't mean this day. Because if you read the passage, you will realize that the context is pointing to the day that the Messiah will come. But we know that the Messiah has come. So, the day is not today. The day is this day. Because of this day, you can rejoice and be glad. Because of this day, we are forgiven of our sins. Amen? Because of that day, we are justified by faith. Amen? Because of that day, we are sanctified by grace. Amen. Because of that day, we are called sons and daughters of the living God. Because of that day. So even if you don't have any reason to rejoice today, you can rejoice because of that day. Because of what Jesus has done for us. Can we make some noise for Jesus in the house? And praise his name. Come on, come on, church. Open your mouth. Say thank you, Lord. We love you. We love you, Lord. And now you're going to sing. Some of you, you let the devil shut you up. But this is your moment when you take back your song in Jesus' name and your joy in Jesus' name. Let's sing together to our Lord with all our hearts.